Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices, Past and Present, brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention. Visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and more information on this ministry, www.ihconvention.com. The sermon you're hearing today was preached in 1986 at the Interchurch Holiness Convention in Dayton, Ohio by Marshall Smart. If you ever heard Marshall Smart, you know he was one of a kind. But God used him mightily, and for over 60 years he blazed the country for God. I know you'll enjoy this powerful message that he titles, No Greater Sin. certainly appreciative for the opportunity to stand here tonight to preach of this convocation the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to this great crowd of people. I've thoroughly enjoyed the services this year at Dayton Convention. Amen. The choir singing, the ensembles, the spatial singing, the spatial music, and the testimonies, the congregational singing, the shouting, the running of the aisles has certainly been blessed of the Lord. And my heart has been challenged and my soul has been lifted as I sat here this year at this convention listening to the inspiring God-anointed messages from our colleagues, from my colleagues. I asked the dear Lord what he would have me to preach to you about tonight. And if I know my heart and my mind... I don't want to preach anything or do anything in the world that the blessed Holy Ghost does not dictate. So I'm ready to preach or I'm ready to remain silent. I pick up my New Testament and turn to the Gospel of St. John chapter 3 and my eyes fall upon verse 36. And I'm going to use that tonight as my text. And I want you to give me your undivided attention this evening as I preach along this line. He that believeth the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Now I want you to remember that verse of Scripture if you don't remember anything else that I say as I endeavor to preach the gospel. I want you to remember my text, John 3, 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. I want to preach to you tonight by the help of the Lord and please your prayerful attention on the subject, no greater sin. No greater sin. What is the greatest sin that you know of in the world tonight? Is it murder? Yet I read there in the New Testament about the Apostle Paul before his conversion. He was guilty of the murder of many Christians. Yet he was converted, filled with the blessed Holy Ghost, and became one of the greatest holiness preachers that the world has ever known. What about the crucifiers of the Lord? Weren't they murderers in the sight of God? 
Yet I believe that many of them were saved on the day of Pentecost when Peter stood up and preached that miraculous sermon whereby 3,000 were born again. Now the Bible said there'll be no murderers in heaven. Yet when I get to heaven, I expect to see individuals up there who at one time were guilty of the sin of murder, yet that sin was confessed and forsaken and washed away in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. What is the greatest sin that you know of in the world tonight? Is it theft? Yet I read there in the New Testament about the thief on the cross who heard Jesus say these words, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Many thieves go to prison and hear the glorious gospel and are actually converted. Now the Bible said that there'll be no thieves in heaven. Yet when I get to heaven I expect to see individuals up there who at one time were guilty of the sin of theft. Yet that sin was confessed and forsaken and washed away in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. What is the greatest sin? that you know of in the world tonight. Is it adultery? Yet I read there in the New Testament about a woman who had five husbands and the one she was living with was not even her husband. But after the wonderful interview that she had with Jesus at the well near Sychar, she left her empty water pot there which was a type of her empty soul and she went back to town with the whole well full and saying, come see a man that told me all things that ever I did. Is not this a Messiah? Now the Bible said that there'll be no adultery in heaven. Yet when I get to heaven I expect to see individuals up there who at one time were guilty of the sin of adultery. Yet that sin was confessed and forsaken and washed away in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. What is the greatest sin that you know of in the world tonight? If it's not murder, if it's not theft, if it's not adultery, what is the greatest sin that you know of in the world tonight? I'm going to tell you what it is. It is simply the rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you a sinner tonight? God loves you. And he loves you with an everlasting love. He tells us in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 28, chapter verse, uh, chapter 11, verses 28, 29, I think, and 30. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, uh, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall, not maybe, ye shall find rest to your souls, because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now you may reject this love one that I'm preaching about tonight and you may trample him under your feet and you may have nothing to do with him but in so doing you are committing the greatest sin that the world has ever known and someday, I said someday, you're going to pay the highest price for your sin of rejection. Now what does an individual do when he rejects the Lord Jesus Christ? First of all, when you reject the Lord Jesus Christ, you are rejecting high possibilities. God's got a great question for all of us and is found in this book. What then shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? Until you link your possibilities up with the possibilities of God, you cannot possibly rise to the highest possibility of your life. Someone asked a great man this question one day, and I quote, How may I become successful? And the answer was, Link your life up with Christ, and you will be a success. I thought about Josiah. There in the Old Testament, he linked his possibilities up with the possibilities of God and became an outstanding king. What about Joseph in the Old Testament? They lied about him and they put him in a dark pit and they sold him to the Ishmaelites. But Joseph linked his possibilities up with the possibilities of God and because of that he became an outstanding governor. What about beautiful Esther in the Old Testament? She linked her possibilities up with the possibilities of God and because
because of that, she became an outstanding queen. Did you know that being a millionaire does not make an individual a success? I read some time ago about a Texas millionaire. He said these words. He said, I thought sure that money would buy me happiness, but he said, I'm miserable and I'm disillusioned. A famous film star here some time ago broke down and wept like a baby. She said, I have money, I have beauty, I have popularity. If anybody on earth should be happy, it should be me. But she said, I'm a miserable wretch. Doesn't the Bible say that she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth? A man went to see a psychiatrist one day and he said, doctor, I'm the loneliest man in the world. He said, I'm despondent and I'm miserable. Can you help me? Well, the doctor suggested that he go to the circus to see a famous clown who was said to make the most despondent a laugh with merriment. But that patient looked up in the face of that doctor and said, but doctor, I am that clown. He said, I make everybody else happy. I make everybody else jubilant. But he said, I'm still a poor, miserable wretch. All the useless people there are that's making no contribution to this world or to the cause of Jesus Christ are simply because they have failed to link their life up with Jesus Christ. I don't care who you are tonight. The Lord is able to take you and he can save you and he can sanctify you. And if you can get him, if you can get yourself in the hands of the Lord, he can take you and feed you to a multitude like he did the little boy's lunch there in the New Testament. I'm saying when you reject the Lord Jesus Christ, you're rejecting someone at the table to make you a success. Then the second thing that you do when you reject the Lord Jesus Christ, you automatically put yourself in the way of other people. In other words, influence is indestructible. No man goes to heaven alone. No man goes to hell alone. Someone is following your example. Someone is following your example. You're either lifting up or you're pulling down. The Bible says to the believers, be thou an example of believers. And it's been my prayer ever since the Lord came into my heart 38 blessed years ago. It's been my prayer that the Lord would help me to light my light so shine before men. And the people can see my good works and glorify my Father which is in heaven. It's been my prayer that God would help me to live what I preach. If I shout loud, help me to live louder. And if I jump up high when I hit the floor, I want to walk straight. I want to lift somebody up. I want to take somebody to heaven with me. But when you reject the Lord Jesus Christ, you drag somebody to hell with you. When you reject the Lord Jesus Christ, you put yourself in the way of somebody else. I thought about the rich man there in the 16th chapter of Luke. He fared sumptuously every day. Permitted a poor man to lay at his gate full of sores. It seemed like that the dogs had more compassion upon this man than what the rich man did. Moreover, the poor man died and he went to heaven. Not because he was poor, but I believe he went to heaven because he accepted Christ. And the Bible said that the rich man died and was buried and in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torments. No, he didn't go to hell because he had riches. He didn't go to hell because he had nice clothes to wear or fancy food to eat. But I believe that he went to hell because he rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. So he went to hell and he lifted up his eyes being in torments and he saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom and he cried out for mercy but there's no mercy in hell. Then he cried out for water but there's no water in hell. Then he cried out to get out of that 
awful place. But Abraham said, we can't, you can't do it. There's a great gulf fixed. I can't get to you and you can't get to me. And finally the rich man thought about his five brothers. Then he said, go back to my father's house and warn my five brothers not to come to this place of torment. I said to myself as I read that story, if that rich man would have surrendered his heart and his life to Jesus Christ, no doubt he could have won his five brothers to the Lord Jesus Christ. But because of the sin of rejection, he put himself in the way of his five brothers. When you reject the Lord Jesus Christ, you put yourself in the way of somebody else. I'm sorry to say that I've, I've found through the years, many parents have stood in the way of their children of making their peace with God. Here some time ago, I was in a camp meeting, and I looked over here to my right, and I saw a mother that was under deep conviction. Sitting beside of her was a teenage daughter. I saw the warm tears of coursing down her cheeks while they were singing the congregational songs. I got up and did the best that I could to preach God's word. Then I gave an altar call. I felt led of the Lord to go down and ask that mother if she would come to the altar. She turned on me and said, absolutely not. And furthermore, I'll give you to understand, I do not appreciate the fact that you came to me to invite me to the altar. I'll go to the altar when I get good and ready. I said to the lady, I mean no harm. May God have mercy upon your soul. I looked at that teenage daughter. I said, daughter, will you come to the altar and let's pray. Let's seek God. She said, no, I'm not going. If it's not good enough for my mother, then it's not good enough for me. I'll tell you, folk, I went back to that platform and my heart was breaking in two. I said, oh my God, if that mother would have slipped out of her seat and would have come to the altar, chances are that teenage daughter of hers would have come to the altar and surrendered her heart and her life to Jesus Christ. Then I want to flip the coin. I was in a revival meeting some time ago in a certain church. I seated up here on the platform and the pianist and the organist was playing that beautiful prelude music before the service began. And all of a sudden, in walked a beautiful family. In walked a beautiful family. And the pastor punched me with his elbow and said, Brother Smart, you see this man that coming in now? I said, yes, I do. He said, he's a businessman in this town. If we could just win this man to the Lord Jesus Christ, certainly be a blessing to our church and an asset to the community. I bowed my head and I prayed, oh God, have mercy upon this brother and save him. And God answered prayer. I got up and preached the truth, gave an altar call. And lo and behold, that big businessman slipped out of his seat and started to come to the altar. But he didn't come by himself. He reached over and got a hold of his little wife and she started to come to the altar. But the wife didn't come alone. She reached over and got her little brood and that whole family came to the altar and prayed through in the old-fashioned way. Oh, how happy they were. That good brother got up and began to testify and began to praise the Lord. He was so excited. He came up to me and said, Brother Smart, I want you to go home with me tonight. I've got something that I want to show you. I said, all right, I'll go. I went to his beautiful home. He took me into the kitchen, opened up the refrigerator, got out the champagne bottles and the beer bottles and the whiskey bottles and pulled the cork out of the nozzles of those old bottles and poured that damnable rock down the drain. And while it was going down the drain, his face was shining like the morning dew. And he was shouting and praising the Lord. And he said, I couldn't do this just a few hours ago. But he said, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. Then he looked at me and said, Brother Smart, I've got a mother that lives in Cincinnati. I, she'd been praying for me for a long time. I've got to go and tell mother the good news. I said, there's the phone. Why don't you call her up? He said, no, I want to see her 
reaction. I want you to go to Cincinnati with me tonight. I said, man, look what time it is. I can't go. He said, Brother Smart, you've got to go with me. I said, all right, I'll go. I jumped in his high-powered automobile. We went off to Cincinnati, Ohio, up there in the wee hours of the morning. Somebody must have called her up because the light was on and the door was unlocked. Oh, how happy he was. He jumped out of the automobile. I was right on his heels. He walked into that old home place and his mother stood up and her arms were open up and he just fell in her arms and said, Mama, I, I found your God. Your prayers have been answered. I've been born again. My life has been changed. And she began to shout and began to praise the Lord. And she went over to the piano and sat down and began to play that old song. God is still on the throne. God is still on the throne. I want you to know tonight how the God is still on the throne. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He can reach down in the muck of the mire, seeing get a hold of that old sinner and lift him up and lift him out and save him and pull the devil out of him and fill him up with the Holy Ghost and can make him a blessing to a lost world. That man accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Savior and because of that his wife got in and because of that his family got in. But this other lady during the camp meeting, she rejected the Lord Jesus Christ and consequently she put herself in the way of her teenage daughter. I'm simply saying this Thursday night that rejection is the greatest sin in the world. When you reject the Lord Jesus Christ, you're standing in the way of someone else. God bless some of you mothers in this congregation. What you are today, no doubt that daughter will be tomorrow. If you're not living for the Lord Jesus Christ, chances are that daughter will not live for the Lord Jesus Christ. What you are tonight, Daddy, chances are that's what that boy will be tomorrow. If you're not serving the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe that boy will not be serving the Lord Jesus Christ. What we are today, I'll tell you, precious friends, that may mean that's what our families will be tomorrow. What you are today, husband, I'll tell you, it could be that your wife may be that tomorrow. I'm saying when you reject the Lord Jesus Christ, you put yourself in the way of somebody else. Rejection, the greatest sin in the world when you reject Christ you put yourself in the way of somebody else and the third thing that a person does when he rejects the Lord Jesus Christ, he insults God's love. I don't want you to forget that tonight. When you reject the Lord Jesus Christ, you insult God's love. I believe the greatest book in this New Testament is the Gospel of St. John. I believe, I believe the greatest chapter in that book is chapter 3. I believe the greatest verse in that chapter is verse 16. It's a golden text of the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And that little word whosoever is universal in its scope. It takes in anybody. It takes in everybody. It takes in you. God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus into this world. God is a God of love unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins and his own precious blood. I believe that God hates sin tonight with a holy hatred but he loves the old sinner. I believe God hates prostitution but he loves the prostitute. I believe that God hates alcoholism, but he, he loves the alcoholic. I believe that God hates lying, but he loves the liar. I believe that God hates stealing, but he loves the old thief. I believe that God hates this drug pusher, but he loves the old drug pusher. I believe that God loves that sinner.
sinner. He loved him so much that he sent his son Jesus into this world. And Jesus came down on the sum of his days how we might go up. And Jesus walked the shores of Galilee on the someday how we can walk the streets of gold. Jesus Christ wore that crown of thorns on the sum of his days how we can wear the crown of life. Say what you will. God is a God of love. And when you reject the Lord Jesus Christ, that's an insult to God's love. It's an insult to the love of God when you reject the Lord Jesus Christ. We hear the atheist say, if there be a God, let him strike me dead. And when we hear someone make a statement like that, we shudder in our shoes. But wait a minute, sinner friend, that atheist is a fool in the sight of God. He doesn't believe in this book. He doesn't believe in God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Ghost. That man is a fool in the sight of God. But you're not a fool. You believe in this old book. You believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And yet I believe that your sin of rejection is greater in the sight of God than the blasphemia of the most blatant infidel that walked in shoe leather. That atheist says there's no God, but you believe in God. Yet your sin of rejection is worse in the sight of God than that infidel that says that there is no God. I notice what Jesus said in Revelation 3.20. He said, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he can sup with me. You know, when I was at God's Bible School many years ago, we would do house-to-house visitation every Friday. We'd go down to the riverbank. I mean, brother, where the, where the white slavery was so, uh, so predominant. And we went down there next to the Ohio River where the drugs was flowing like breakfast cereal and white slavery was on the rampant. We'd go down and knock on doors. Sometimes they would invite us in. We'd read the scripture to and have prayer with them and maybe the whole family would get saved. But you know, it just broke my heart. When I'd go up to a door, I'd knock on the door. Someone would come and push the curtains back and look out to see who it was and notice it was God's Bible school students. And instead of inviting us in, they shook their head no and turned around and walked away. That broke my heart. How would you feel tomorrow if you went to your neighbor's house and you knocked on the door and they would come and look out and see who it was and instead of inviting you in, they turned and walked away. How do you think our loving Heavenly Father feels when he condescends the royal guest of heaven and he stands at your heart's door and he knocks and you look out and you see that it's a patient son of God. You can see the traces of rejected love on his face and the hinges of your heart's door is rusty. It's been closed so long and the vines have grown around the door. Jesus stands at the door and he knocks. He said, I stand at the door and knock and if any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Oh, my precious friends, don't commit the greatest sin in the world. If he knocks at your heart's door, don't reject him. Open up that door and let Jesus Christ come in and transform your life. God has given your life. What have you done with that life? Have you thrown that Are you throwing your life away? Are you gambling with your opportunities? My God in heaven, settle down upon us and help us to realize that Jesus is standing at the door 
door and he knocks. Don't reject him. Open up your heart and let Jesus Christ come in. Then the next thing that you do when you reject the Lord Jesus Christ, you're absolutely crucifying the Son of God afresh. The Apostle Paul said, you're putting him to an open shame. Somebody said, Brother Smart, I didn't know that I was doing that. Well, you know it tonight. God bless your heart. I thank God for every mother and father, every boy and girl, every teenager, every husband and wife, grandma and grandpa and aunt and uncle. I thank God for every soul that's sitting under the sound of my voice. I don't mean to be mean. I'm just simply saying that when you reject the Lord Jesus Christ, you're crucifying the Son of God afresh. Jesus is a propitiation for our sins and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. And when you reject that Christ, you're putting him to an open shame. You put that crown of thorns back on his brow. You put those nails back into his hands. You put those nails back into his feet. You put that spear back into his side. Jesus, the spotless, sinless Son of God, dying upon the cross, clutching the heads of those bloody nails, and with the sputum and the blood and the filth rolling down his face. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Oh, my precious friends, when you come to a convention such as this, or to a revival meeting, or even to a camp meeting, and you sit in your pew, and you're a gospel sermon, and you reject the Lord Jesus Christ, you're absolutely crucifying the Son of God afresh, and you're putting him to an open shame. I thought about the young boy who decided to leave home. He wanted to go to the big city where he could get himself a job, make a lot of money, and have a ball. His mother had passed away maybe a few months prior to this. One day he kind of got brave, and he said to his old daddy, he said, Daddy, I'm leaving this place. I'm leaving this miserable place, and I'm going to the city, and I'm going to get me a job, make a lot of money, get me a nice automobile, I'm going to have a ball. And there's nothing you can do about it, Daddy. And that father looked at that boy and said, Wait a minute, son. I know it's been lonely around here since your mother slipped away to be with the Lord, but I want you to gratify your old father by staying with me. Don't leave, Daddy. I want you to stay with me. But that young boy threw his shoulders back and said, No, I'm going to leave this place. This is a miserable place to me, and I'm getting out, and there's not much that you can do about it. That old father looked at that boy and said, Son, you're too big for me to try to handle now. But he said, If you're bound and determined to go to your own destruction, you're going to have to go over this old body of mine. So he lay himself down before the threshold of the door, and that young boy watched his old daddy as he lay himself down. That boy threw his shoulders back, walked right up to his old daddy, stepped over his body, went to the big city, yes, and went to his own destruction. Now you'll say, Brother Smart, a boy that would treat his father like that ought to be tied up and horse whipped. Wait a minute, friend. You've done something worse than that. Jesus Christ said, if you go to hell, you'll have to go over my body. So Jesus Christ lays himself down and said, I'm giving my life for you. And if you go to hell, it'll be because you've rejected the Lord Jesus Christ and you've crucified the Son of God afresh and you've put him to an open shame. It's my prayer that God will move upon this congregation in a wonderful, powerful way that will show men and women and boys and girls just how low down, how rotten, how terrible this sin really is. I'm talking about the sin of rejection. It's the greatest sin in the world. When you reject Christ, you're crucifying the Son of God afresh and you're putting him to an open shame. I don't believe that anybody ever suffered as much as Jesus Christ did on the cross. I believe that his suffering was physically, it was mentally, I believe it was spiritually. I believe he suffered more on the cross than any man ever suffered in hell. And when you come to church or to a convention and hear a gospel message and 
sit there in your seat and say no to Jesus Christ. I want you to know you're putting Jesus back on the cross, putting him to an open shame because it was your sin. Your sins were the palms that slapped his face. It was your sins uh, that was a fist that beat his face to a pulp. It was your sins. Your sins were the scourge that cut his back to shreds. Your sins uh, were the thorns that crowned him. Your sins uh, were the nails uh, at the transfixed him. Your sins uh, were the hammers uh, that drove those nails uh, into his folly. Your sin, the sin of rejection, that's the greatest sin in the world. When you reject Christ, you crucify the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Here's something else you do when you reject the Lord Jesus Christ. You seal your own doom in hell. I want you to listen to me just a few seconds. When you reject Christ, you're sealing your own doom in hell. Somebody said, I don't believe in hell. I said, that doesn't put the fire out. Just because you don't believe in hell doesn't put the fires out. The Bible said, hell from beneath has moved to meet thee at thy coming. Again, the Bible said, hell hath opened her mouth without measure. And again, the Bible said, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And the word cast is a strong word in in the Greek. It means hurled. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was hurled into the lake of fire where hope never comes and where mercy is a stranger. Listen to me, friend. God bless you. If you're not saved, you're already lost. You don't have to commit another sin to be lost. The sin of rejection is enough. You've committed enough of sins to sink your soul into a waterless hell. All you have to do to be lost is sit there in your seat and say no to Jesus Christ. That's why good moral people go to hell. I know good moral people tonight that wouldn't think about telling you a lie. They wouldn't think about cheating. They wouldn't think about cursing. They wouldn't think about drinking. They wouldn't think about smoking. They're good moral people. And yet they're lost. Why? Because they commit the greatest sin in the world. What sin is that? It's a sin of rejection. Did you know you don't go to hell because you lie and cheat and damn and crowds around and do everything that you're big enough to do? You don't go to hell because of that. That kind of punishment would be out of proportion. That would be like sending a little boy to penitentiary for 99 long years because he stole a candy bar or maybe a pocket knife. That kind of a punishment would be out of proportion. And we as Americans would rise up against that kind of a punishment. But wait a minute, friend. The reason that people sin is because they're sinners. That's why they damn and fight and crowds around and cheat and gamble and do everything they're big enough to do is because they're sinners. And the reason they're sinners is because they commit the greatest sin in all the world, and that's a sin of rejection. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God had to take away of the sin of the world. And when a person rejects the Lord Jesus Christ, that's all he has to do to be lost. Just sit in your seat and say no to Jesus Christ, and you will be a lost sinner. You're already lost. You're not going to be lost later on. You're as lost tonight as you ever will be on earth. You're already lost. There's people over here in this section, and there's people in this section, over here in this section, over here in this section. God bless you. I thank God for all of you folks that are here. But way down deep in your heart, you know that you're not to the place where you ought to be. Some need to be saved. Some need to be sanctified. Some need to be reclaimed. There's a feeling of insecurity in your heart. There's a feeling of insecurity, and there's a doubt in your mind concerning your relationship with God. Now what you ought to do is just mind God and come to the mourner's bench and get down on your old prayer bones and pray and ask God to give you victory. Why? Because when you reject the Lord Jesus Christ, you're sealing your own doom in hell. 
Jesus came into this world to seek and to save that which is lost. Isaiah said, if you be willing and obedient, you can eat the good of the land. But if you refuse, rebel, reject, ye shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Not the mouth of the evangelist, but the mouth of the Lord hath spoken this. If you be willing and obedient, you can eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. You know, so many folk kind of remind me of the fella I read about in New York. He committed some kind of a crime, and he was trying to get away from the police officers on foot. They were after him. They were closing in on him. He was crossing a big bridge. There were some officers coming at him from this side, and officers going after him on this side. And this fella realized he was just about ready to be captured, so he jumped off of the bridge, fell down into the dark waters below, and he came back up, and he couldn't swim. And the police officers threw him a rope, but it fell short. They threw him another rope, and this time the rope fell across the drowning man. He reached up and got a hold of the rope and twined it around his arm. Then he looked up and saw the police officers up on the bridge ready to capture him. And he began to laugh at him and curse him. He said, ha ha, you think you're going to capture me, don't you? You think you're going to take me to jail, don't you? You'll never capture me. You'll never take me to jail alive. You'll have to drag this river before you ever get me. And he cursed him and threw the rope to one side, fell down into the dark waters and sank out of sight. You'll say, Brother Smart, that was a little foolish, wasn't it? Not any more than some of you precious folk are doing here in this room. God bless your heart. Right now you're already in the rapids and you're headed for the Niagara Falls and we're throwing out the lifeline and I'm preaching the gospel message to you tonight. I'm saying, oh my God, oh my God, help these people to stop and to reconsider. They're committing the greatest sin of the world. They're rejecting Christ and they're in the rapids that leads to the Niagara Falls. Throw out the lifeline but you pay no attention to it and you go on over at the Niagara Falls of damnation. Falling into the flames where hope never comes, where mercy is a stranger, where never a ray of light to ever shine down across the regions of the dam. I'm saying, friend, when you reject Christ, you're sealing your own doom and hell. There's nothing more that a person can do for an individual as long as he rejects the Lord Jesus Christ. Preacher, let him alone. Holy Ghost, let him alone. He's become professional and rejecting Christ. He hears the gospel message and feels the Holy Ghost moving upon him and yet they'll suck their heels in and reject the Lord Jesus Christ. Committing the greatest sin in all the world. That's all you have to do to be lost is just sit there and reject the Lord Jesus Christ. Just sit there and say Brother Smart is a good man and that's a good message but I'm not going to get saved. I'm not going to get sanctified. I used to be saved, I'm not going to the altar to be reclaimed. That's all you have to do to be a lost sinner, friend, is just reject the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. I thought about that fellow who took his daughter out fishing with him. He loved to fish. He was an avid fisherman. And he took his daughter out in the boat. And they went out and they anchored and he threw out and fished and kept fishing. And he wasn't too fascinated with that fishing hole. He wasn't too fascinated with that particular spot. He wasn't even getting any bites. And finally he decided to go off someplace else. So he pulled his anchor in and said to his little daughter, I'm going to set you out here on this big rock. Daddy's going to go out here a little ways and I'm going to anchor and I'm going to fish and I'll be back after you. So he set this girl out on a big rock and rolled out over here someplace and he anchored and he began to fish. And he was so fascinated by the way he was pulling those fish in, he forgot all about the time and the tide. 
the tide began to come up like there was an infinite hand pushing it up slowly, slowly, slowly. Finally, he came to his senses, consulted his watch, and said, my God, I've been fishing here for four hours. I've forgotten all about my little baby, all about my little child. And he pulled the anchor in, grabbed the oars, and rolled back to the rock. But the rock was gone. The water had come over it, and the little girl had perished. And they tell me that old fisherman never fished anymore. His wife said he almost lost all but his reason. Almost lost his reason. He'll go to store after something and forgets what he's gone after. All he does now, he never fishes anymore. And his wife said the only thing he does now is just walk around wringing his hands. Wringing his hands. Walking around just wringing his hands. And saying these words, oh, if I had just stayed close enough where I could have heard a voice. If I could have just stayed close enough where I could have heard a voice, maybe I could have reached her. But he drifted too far from the shore. Some of you precious folk right here in the room, God bless you. I love you and I thank God for you. I appreciate your attention. But some of you folk are drifting too far from the shore. God bless your heart. Some need to be saved. Some need to be sanctified. You've heard God's voice once. You've heard it twice. You've got eyes to perceive, but they don't, they don't see. You've got a heart to perceive, but it doesn't perceive. You've got ears to hear, but you don't hear anymore. God has spoken once and he's spoken twice. And yet you you've hardened your heart and you've stiffened your neck and you've said no to God and you've committed the greatest sin in all the world. That's all you have to do to be lost is just sit there and say, well, you might have something there, but I don't plan to do anything about it. Rejection, the greatest sin in the world. You know what I'm going to ask you to do tonight? I'm going to ask everybody here in this congregation that has a spiritual need, I want you to mind God. Down deep in your heart, you'll say, Brother Smart, I've been guilty of committing the greatest sin in all the world. I know what my need is. I need to be saved. I need to be sanctified. I need to be reclaimed. I'm going to that altar. I'm going to have prayer. Did you know tonight could be the last night for some of us? We don't know. It could be the last night for me. It could be the last night for you. Here's what I want you to do. I want everybody here in this congregation that has a need. Over here to my left, here in the center section, over here to my right, I want everybody in this room to mind God. If you feel the least pull to come to this altar, I want you to come. Will you do it? My prayer is that you will. While the organist comes to the organ and plays softly, I want everybody in this room to mind God. Bow your heads. Father, I pray that you'll help us in the few seconds that we have left in this service. I don't want to take for granted the heritage of holiness that has been passed on. I don't want to lose the Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, Post Office Box 99, New Berlin, Pennsylvania, 17855-USA.